The Rufus Project would like to advise the following podcast contains spoilers for Thank God It's Friday from 1978. If you do not wish to have this movie spoiled, please watch it before listening to the following podcast. Is it a disco movie classic or should disco in the rubbish pile? That was a bad one. We watch Thank God It's Friday to see if we could redeem it. Were we successful? Find out after the theme. So bad it's good, what's this movie do you think we should? It's got bad guys love dodgy creatures, but we want to know what the redeeming features. Hello and welcome to the Rufus Project Redeeming Features cast, this time looking at Thank God It's Friday from 1978. I am one of your hosts, Trevor Holland, and I am joined by my good friend and co-host... Christian Fletcher, thanks Trevor for welcoming back for what I hope is going to be a groovy time as we as we step back to the 70s, which I feel like I live in all the time anyway. So thanks for having me back. Yeah, I, I know you, you like your flare trousers and platform shoes, so I, I wasn't all that surprised when you chose this movie for, uh, for our next one. Well, it's actually, I, I won't take all the credit, but a guy I know called Lloyd Cooper, who I'm assuming may be listening, I'm hoping he'll listen to this one, has actually posted it when we um, did a call out a couple of months ago, and him being a big 70s disco buff that I know he is, I was surprised that even he said to look at this movie, so I thought, it must be perfect fodder. And, um, and as I mentioned in the last um, episode, it's also the 40th anniversary of Saturday Night Fever, so it seemed quite appropriate to look at another disco movie, possibly the, the best Saturday Night Fever rip-off, <laughs> or the most closest to it anyway, so yeah, that that's... A very loose timing with that, and probably also the fact that it's also 40 years almost since this movie, which a lot of people might not have actually seen. So I'm glad that we're able to look at a movie that I hadn't actually seen before too. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, how how should we say, f- fresh meat. It almost seems to be something that one of the characters would have said, <laughs> but I, I won't get too far ahead of myself there. And uh, look, if, if anyone out there has not yet seen, thank God it's Friday, I've got a bit of a uh, rundown of what it's about It's Friday and everyone is going to the hot new disco. The Commodores are scheduled to play, if Floyd shows up with the instruments, and Nicole dreams of becoming a disco star. Other characters are there to win the dance contest, or to put a little excitement into a fifth anniversary. Ooh, it's one of those cases where there's just so much going on in the plot summary and in the movie itself, but whether it really lives up to that, I don't know. But it it does sound exciting and definitely what you'd expect from a movie that was made pretty much still when disco was cool. You know, we're not talking sort of your Xanadu or your Can't Stop the Music era here. We're talking about this being made at the height of disco. Yes, indeed. I think with the synopsis, though, it seems like they've only really focused on the characters that actually had their stories concluded. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah, another that. bit we'll get to, but and that's actually what we will touch on too. This is essentially an ensemble movie, and um, and I know in sort of recent times, I know some examples of things like I don't know New Year's Eve and and uh, Love Actually. I know they they sort of ensemble yeah. movies do make the rounds every few years, and they can be quite hit and miss. But this is pretty much a, an example of a seventies ensemble movie. But does it hit or miss? That is very true. Well, be, before we get there, we're probably talk a bit about the movie about the movie first and 
And uh, one thing I noticed when I had a look at the awards um, is that it won a freaking Oscar. I know, uh, I know. It, for, for the best music, original song. Uh, Paul Jabara for the song Last Dance, which also got, scored a Golden Globe as well. <laughs> so look at that. Movie won an Oscar. I'm... Thank God it's Friday won an Oscar. <laughs> What's going on? I've read this great quote, quote from um, Roger Ebert saying, it's a bomb, it's the worst film to ever win any kind of Oscar. And um, I, I do tend to agree in, in some respect. And I know we'll get on get on to um, the song Last Dance a bit later, but I've never been a fan of that song. And I, it, just, it baffles me to this day that it did win an Oscar and it was as popular as it was. Um, that's it for the awards, by the way. Nothing, nothing else gets to mention, either either for the, the good or the not-so-good. And that probably should move us on to our turkey trivia. So uh, this is where we talk turkey and trivia. It's all in the title. I think I started that as a as a working temporary title, and I just kind of stuck. Oh, <laughs> it does what work. You get. Yeah, yeah. Even yes, if some of the does. movies aren't turkeys <laughs> themselves, but they, they might, yeah, they, I think it deserves to be in that category. So it works well. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Uh, so this one is rated 5.1 out of 10 on IMDb, right in the middle there. It had a budget of $2.2 million and it grossed approximately $7.3 million. So didn't, I mean, we're talking late 70s, it actually did pretty well for itself. Yeah, but also considering the um, the, the height and the disco boom, it's, I'm surprised it, it didn't quite, uh, it didn't get a lot of people, you know, going to the cinema more. But may, hey, maybe people wanted to experience discos for real, <laughs> not see it played out on a big screen. But um, I don't know, I'm sure in comparison to something like Saturday Night Fever that came the year before, um, that, you know, there wouldn't have been, um, yeah, it definitely didn't go anywhere near as much. But it sounded like it recouped its budget. And, and as we'll find out when we speak a bit more about it, it is essentially one big set. So I can see how they would have kept their costs down. Yes, indeed. So, um, but talking about a, a bit of trivia uh, that goes with this, and I did mention these guys in that synopsis, uh, that this is the only ever on-screen appearance of the uh, of the group of the Commodores in a theatrically released film. Oh, that's interesting. So I was thinking, yeah. I kept racking my brains, and I kept thinking about them for Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Man, but then I remember it was Earth, Wind, Fire. Very similar outfits, that's I right. must say. <laughs> but that's actually quite interesting, and, and as I'll t- touch on a bit later, it's a shame that their one big appearance is, um, yeah, it cuts away pretty much from their, their only song or main appearance. <laughs> but we will talk about that a bit later. We will, we will. And now you did mention Saturday Night Fever, and, and this was released about six months after Saturday Night Fever, and is largely considered as being a studio programmer trying to cash in on the success of that movie, With uh, especially since the film titles features the other big day of the weekend being Friday rather than Saturday, uh, that where people go out at night. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think with a six-month sort of gap, I'm sure they would have easily been able to churn a movie like this out, especially when a lot of those songs were already still in the charts, and, you know, and that's a big thing we'll, you probably will touch on. That soundtrack is pretty epic. I, I believe it was released as, I don't know, a three or three or four-disc set or something like this. This is on vinyl. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was a three-record set. Yeah. So lots of, lots of music crammed in here. But speaking of music, and uh, this is one that, kind of threw me away if you could say it actually maybe even took my breath away in that one of the younger stars in the film terry nunn went on to front the band berlin who did uh get the best song 
at, at the Oscars in 1987 for Take My Breath Away for Top Gun. Aha! It's interesting because I saw the name Terry Nunn come up in this credits and I'm like, I know that name so well and I don't know where from. So you've answered it for me, Trevor. So it's a bit of interesting trivia because it seems like, aside from her, the only other name that sort of stuck out to me was Jeff Goldblum, who seems to have been appearing in movies for a long time and I didn't even realise as far back as then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely Jeff Goldblum. Um, I didn't actually look back. I, I I could have done that. I mean, I do have IMDb open in front of me, so I can look up something on the internet whilst talking on a podcast. <laughs> so what I might do is let that load while I, I move on. Um, now, you, you mentioned before, like um, Roger Ebert uh, saying this was one of the worst movies ever to win an Oscar. He is joined in that uh, that opinion with uh, the film critic and film historian Leonard Moulton, who totally agrees that it's the worst movie ever to win an Oscar. It also had three working titles. Um, it was first named Discotech. Uh, it was then shortened to the uh, shortened down to Disco. Then the title was again changed to After Dark. But in the end, they finally settled on Thank God It's Friday. <laughs> I'm surprised the working titles weren't a whole series of days of the week as they came down to the, to the best one. But I suppose <laughs> if you're talking about weekend, Saturday was already taken, as you mentioned. So After Dark would have been quite misleading. And, and I think knowing the, the fate of disco, I think calling anything, say, disco in the title it, it is a bad idea. <laughs> and, and thankfully didn't happen with any film, I don't think. Oh, sorry, Disco yeah, Godfather, dude. sorry, but that's more a exploitation film. We'll <laughs> talk about that another time. <laughs> quite quite possibly. Just just quickly look back at, at Jeff Goldblum. Uh, I don't think he did a great deal before this. I mean, he appeared on a number of, of TV shows, and he has got credits going back to 1974, where he first appeared as Freak Number One in Death Wish. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> you know, was it also too around that time? I think he did in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That might have been. It might have been seventy eight as well. I'm not sure. Seventy six. It was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. He. he the seventy eight Invasion of the Body Snatchers. He is certainly right there in seventy eight as well. So yeah, he he has been around for a lot longer than I I thought. But uh, but he's always seemed to be around, so I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, exactly. And that's what he seems to do in this movie. He seems to just be around. But anyway, <laughs> without yeah. giving too much away. <laughs> uh, okay, well, 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 we'll move on. Uh, there wasn't a lot of trivia for this one anyway, so I think I covered over most of the, the more interesting ones. And uh, this is the Redeeming Features cast, so we, we need to know what we're working from. Uh, in order to see if we can actually work to a position where this movie can be redeemed. So I went off to Amazon and I've got a baseline review, what we're working from. The title of this review is, I was a kid, 12 years old, and I loved it. I got this movie because I remember it from when I was a kid, 12 years old, and I absolutely loved it. Well, as an adult, in 2014, I saw it for the first time since then, and this is the worst move I have ever made. I couldn't believe this is the same movie I saw even back then. I really wish I hadn't bought it, uh, but I would have never known how cheesy and trying to cash in on, on the Saturday night, Saturday night Fever frenzy it is. I still love Donna Summer, but this movie sucks. Plain and simple. One star. <laughs> Oh, 
so it, it may have been one of those cases where, yeah, nostalgia didn't put quite work in that person's favour, you know, having to look back on it, because sometimes through a child or 12-year-old's eyes, things would have been a bit different, so... Yeah, even, even doing this podcast, I've gone back to movies that I thought I... that I remembered enjoying not that long ago, and then going... What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> and, th- and just to think, these reviewers don't have their redeeming features hat on. What would it be like then? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> um, so, um, anyway, moving on, uh, let's we talk a bit about the movie itself. And uh, first up, 90 minutes. Woo-hoo! Oh, I know. I think it got <laughs> like 89 or something like that. I was very happy. 89 minutes. <laughs> yep, yep. And one thing I did notice, like right from the start, when the the Columbia movie logo comes up, they they get the Columbia statue getting on down with its bad self, which I think would have been a very rare move at that stage I at think, that time. Yeah, I think I did read a bit of trivia saying I think it's the only time. Well, of, of course, <laughs> I'd imagine they still kept it to this day. But um, yeah, it was one of those rare things that someone actually specifically designed it for this movie. So as you said, it was good seeing it get down, and it pretty much didn't waste any time getting straight into this. Is essentially a disco movie, you've got your disco beat and your, your Columbia logo dancing and, and your city skyline, so we're pretty much, you have, mm-hmm. they've, they've set us up within the first five seconds, really. Yeah, but I tell you what, with that opening theme song, I found myself thinking, what's the name of this movie again? I know the words, are, thank God it's Friday, I can't even remember the melody of the song, but I know it was pretty much repeating that over and over again, but what I love, Trevor, is it wasn't just that, just about everything that could have words written on it would have, thank God it's Friday, they had the um, neon signs, and then you have this blimp going past, and, and um, yeah, they were really trying to, um, to ram it home, but I thought it would have been kind of cool if that actually had the credits over things like that, but no, in a movie that was made in, say, six months, they didn't think of that. No, no, they just made sure that they had Thank God It's Friday or TGIF <laughs> for those more hip uh, 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 at every possible opportunity, while at the same time in the background, Thank God It's Friday! <laughs> oh, I boy. Know. And, and it's funny because I remember when we spoken about Can't Stop the Music and we, we joke about the, um, the garbage workers all dancing or doing things like that in the scene. It was very similar to that. It was kind of doing the whole typical sort of cutting to scenes of disco or, or the outside of the, these um, skyscrapers in this city with sort of these mundane lives of people, you know, I don't know, doing their laundry or all that sort of stuff and um, really trying to hit home that whole thing straight away that unless you're at the disco, you're just these boring people who wear the plainest clothes ever, but, which, which essentially is true to some effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, but yeah, like you know, all, the, all the main players appear in various stages. You've, you've got the, the, the two girls from Idaho getting off their hockey team bus or getting on the hockey team bus and you see them talking, you don't know what they're saying. Uh, Donna Summer looks particularly elegant and when she shows up, just massive mouth movements as she's exaggeratedly chewing her gum um and i think she wants to get into a shop that's just closing and she wants to buy a dress or something assuming for the for the disco but she can't get in uh you got the the dental assistant who shoes out the last customers and then takes a thing of nitrous and starts dancing around uh was she actually anywhere else in the movie i'm, I'm not 100 percent too I sure no I, I think she might have turned up oh she might have been the uh the the drug chick later on. Oh, yeah, actually. Yeah, because we were supposed to be yeah. showing, as I said, yeah, these, these the normal everyday lives these people have when they're, I suppose, not getting down on a Friday night. 
Yeah, well, they're not going. Thank God, it's Friday. <laughs> but I did, I did love the, the, the little cute, cute things like those—the girls trying to walk in the platforms, just sort of, you know, these sort of things that would have actually been encountered by people, you know, because we're we're so used to seeing the whole, I suppose, the flawless world of disco, but being able to see these kind of, you know, behind-the-scenes little character things like, were kind of cool, but I actually, I don't know if it was just me, Trevor, but even early on, I lost track of who everybody was. Like, I didn't even try to remember who their names were, because it just sort of, like in these ensemble movies, would, would lead from one to the other, you know, quite quickly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just like, yeah, there's the underage ones that want to get into the disco and win the dance contest. There's the, There's the 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 married couple oh, um, of course oh, just I'm sick of the all married those, couple. <laughs> there's the there's the there's the computer date guy oh, oh yeah uh, it's trying yeah, to meet his yeah yeah who ends up being too much taller for you. look you know the the reason Trevor and I are saying so many different things like that is because so much really happened in, in terms of they were just throwing all these sort of what I sort of saw was inconsequential plot, you know, as you mentioned before, you know, we will touch on, you know, the fact that, you know, a few of the stories were rounded up at the end, but yeah, they were really throwing in probably a night at the disco, you know, if you were to set a camera up and zoom in on a few different people's lives. Yeah, so so like more like a, a slice of life movie, uh, all being uh, watched over by the very enthusiastic DJ. Now, I, I don't know if this was a thing in the 70s where, like, uh, like a, a DJ in a nightclub would at the same time be being a radio DJ. I mean, was it ever really a yeah. thing? Because I found that really odd. I thought that was really strange. Uh, the only thing I thought was, you know, they've got this rare treat where the Commodores have been able to perform at this club, so, you know, they're doing whatever they can. But, yeah, actually, no. I know in the movie Rock and Roll High School they, they'd have a Ramones concert, which they also broadcast on the radio as well. But, actually, yeah, but that's not a DJ doing it. So I thought it was quite strange too, and I, I think possibly just a way to set up getting the Commodores out to more people but I did like the radio DJ as kind of the guy who kind of added all these interjections throughout the course of the movie and I, I think he could have worked a bit more as not an MC not, not a narrator but yeah sort of like an MC character yeah someone who actually could advance plots I mean he did that a few times I mean when the uh, when the married couple walks in with the super misogynistic husband yes. oh, got, got, got his wife uh, like a pepper grinder for their what was it <laughs> Third or fifth, whatever it was, I forgot. It just looked like um, a big trophy, I think I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I mentioned it in the synopsis, whatever their anniversary was, and it's already gone from my head. That's the sort of impact <laughs> this movie had on me. Um, uh, but then, yeah, like she, she's got to work so hard to say, "Hey, let's have a little fun and go to the disco," while at the same time he's just just being so obnoxious to her before you know he finally gets dragged in and then has a freak out because the stamp ends up in his shirt oh. and you're going ah oh, just just dump him and, and as they walk through uh, and of course we've also met Jeff Goldblum the club owner by now and like you know he walks in and about three women that you know they they imply that he's 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 been a bit naughty with them uh, over the time and uh, the DJ basically puts a couple of what a couple of hundred dollar bills up on the window and points to the the wife that had just walked in as there's a bet to say you know you can never get that one <laughs> and then you're pretty much knowing exactly how the movie's kind of going to play out you know in these opening scenes because yeah it, it, Jeff Goldblum pretty much from the moment he arrives he's got that whole sleazy persona about him it actually took me a bit to realize oh yeah he also owns the nightclub as well 
<laughs> turns up in his Porsche with the big one number plate oh. and carefully covers over. Uh, but then there was a whole running gag where just like every car that turned up in the um, in the car park hit the Porsche. It's like, <laughs> oh, don't do that to a Porsche. And, and then I think we see later on what ends up happening to that. But I had to laugh too. Another note I've got here. As soon as Jeff Goldblum turns up in his car, thank God it's Friday, starts playing again on the soundtrack. Come on, guys. You had more disco songs to choose from in that era. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, well, I'm... I'm, I'm... I'm glad it did because I'd completely forgotten the name of the movie again, you know. <laughs> oh, gosh. But um, I, to be honest, I can't remember the term exactly. I think it's diegetic or non-diegetic. But um, diegetics, uh, you know, when, when the songs are sort of advancing the plot, or, or I think I'm getting the terms right, but I, I felt that they could have made this more of, I suppose, a bit more like a Blues Brothers type movie where the songs, it was still, a, a, you know, a, a comedy or essentially you know a normal movie happening underneath but you know you'd have these great scenes of, of musical numbers and things like that and I think that's what this movie was lacking you know it, I loved the disco scenes though like it was good like but I was wanting more sort of you know musical numbers as such you know and I think there was a bit of a, a wasted opportunity but I, I like when they did show the disco stuff yeah uh, actually that was another thing that I, I probably should have included is that is is there was one scene showing two men dancing together and apparently they were really, really worried about it, but no one, like, no one cared during the test screening, so it actually stayed in there, which was quite progressive for the time. Oh, that would have been good, yeah, and especially considering, yeah. you know, you know, the, you know, the height of disco was a good representation of, of the, the people going to it as well, and, and I actually think yeah. that's, that's what I've got in my notes here too, it did feel very much like a disco 101 movie, you know, pretty much, you know, even though we're seeing it sort of from a uh, motion picture point of view, but it was sort of, you know, giving us sort of an insight into the happenings of a disco, good or bad, but <laughs> but um yeah, lots was there. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, it was almost like you know the, the married couple who have no idea what's going on come in. So, like at one point, it was always like you were discovering this disco culture through this couple, which probably you know which, which on reflection seems like that that would be a, a good way to actually advance a plot and and help set the scene and give people something to relate to. That all falls over very quickly. Um, as soon as Jeff Goldblum very quickly uh, get, c- cuts in to, to ask the wife to dance, when whereas the husband gets left behind and this crazy woman turns up and starts plying him with drugs. <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing, like we were saying before, about the misogynistic husband and, and all that sort of stuff, but it, it's really in, you know, him not wanting to dance. It really should have been <laughs> it building up to him finally going, yeah, I can do this, not having to be drugged, essentially, to, to have a good time, which is probably not the message this movie was probably should have been giving across. Actually, I don't know if that's one thing you noticed, the rating of this movie, I was thinking about that. It would have definitely been a... Even not rating it R18, probably, or uh, what do they call it, N17 in America. I don't see it being that. But, um, yeah, I was just quite surprised about a few other things, especially the obvious drug taking in a lot of it, even though it was such a big part of disco culture. I was just surprised to see it shown on, on you know, in film so, so much. Not in a bad, you know, yeah. not showing it in a really vulgar way, but, you know, yeah, even showing it at all. So I thought that was strange. But, yeah, but it, it uh, like I was saying before, the movie really wants to ram down your throat as much as possible. Your life is not complete unless you're dancing at a disco. Like They make these people almost mm-hmm. as stuffy and almost as naff and lame as they possibly can. <laughs> oh, God. But, and, and, like, you know, I guess at that point, like, I think by this point we've had the two girls from the country, uh, we've got Jeff Goldblum, we've got the married couple, 
a couple of dorky guys have turned up who are wanting to score, of course. Uh, you've got the super obnoxious garbage collector who has the running gag where people bump in, they go, oh, I'm sorry, and he turns around, you bet your ass you're sorry! <laughs> he's there looking for someone on a computer, because he's got a computer date. And, and like, you know, we've already got all these characters that have turned up, but then the, the movie, even after that, it's like, will you stop introducing new characters? Just deal with who you've got, and there's more that come through. But, but actually, I did admit, like, one character we, we, we met briefly was there was a guy dressed in a gorilla suit. He was, like, the oh, elevator yeah. attendant, and he's complaining about how, how, hot it, how hot it was in the suit to Jeff Goldblum. And he just, you know, like, just, just gives him this long stare. And I think that was like one of the finest bits of acting in the entire movie when all it took was that stare for him to get his, for him to get back to work and stop complaining. And I think, and they even managed to even bring the um, guy in the monkey suit in the elevator in a, a scene later on. So I'm like, at least they kept the gag kind of going. But, and that's one thing I did notice too. They, they kept trying, it wasn't a huge thing, but they'd do these kind of sight gags or, or side gags every now and then. I don't know, to try and make it a bit more interesting. But um, yeah, there wasn't enough of that kind of, I don't know, tongue in cheek feel about it. I, I think it was like we, it's like it wanted us to really care about these people, but the camera didn't linger on them long enough to feel any kind of connection to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was like, yeah, the, the guy in the elevator who turned up a, a couple of times. There was when when the girls, when the underage girls finally get in, they get smuggled in through the men's bathroom. And of course, there's one one guy completely dressed up in drag who's who's shaving off his, his his hair and then like he'll turn up a couple of times just just as a bit of a side gag throughout it you know and and then we will cut back to the other ones and um i think uh, the other one i recognized Deborah Winger was another familiar face um in this movie who turned up and it's just like as soon as she turned it up she was knocking over drinks and bumping over bumping open the bar thing and and falling over tables and it's like you know what is this meant to be is this meant to be a disco movie is it meant to be a romantic comedy with a whole jeff goldblum schmoozing over the wife you know is it meant to be a slapstick comedy what <laughs> i was thinking what is this what is this at this point i was thinking, what the hell is this every guy in this movie is just an utter creep most of whom I just want to shut down and never never see again. Uh, like even Jeff Goldblum was a total sleaze, but at least he was a charismatic sleaze. That was about the only thing going for him. And, oh, and, and, and the DJ, who, who apparently is meant to be on the radio, but is doing all this other stuff in the booth... I think, aren't you meant to be on the radio? I mean, what's going on here? What are you people doing in this disco? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and it literally makes you realise then this is a movie that has just been thrown together, you know, a, a, around the whole pretty much a soundtrack of it and people dancing. And, they've, they've, and and considering this, it's like this movie was made literally to educate people that have never been to the disco before. Okay, this is how more, this is how more people can go and, and have fun like this because early on they sort of refer a lot of time refer to them as disco freaks and oh my god look at the outfit i love the the girl oh polyester on the dance floor how creepy <laughs> things like that <laughs> and um, all these key lines i'm like hey i've worn polyester on the dance floor um and um and, and yeah all these kind of it's it's like trying to give these people yeah a bit of an insight but it would have been good like you said if it was this married couple sort of like the brad and janet entering the castle in rocky horror kind of what's this world would sort of come into and kind of has a has a plot and a resolution but 
this just didn't. And and one one thing we I know you touched on in the um, synopsis, and they they barely touched on is the damn dance contest. Like I know in Saturday Night Fever, again that's based off builds up to a, a final dance contest as well. But there's always them practicing and always you know the build up to that. But in this, they sort of talk about it a bit at the start, and I think I clocked in at about sort of after about an hour. They're like, oh, the dance contest. And I'm like, oh, that's right. You could have made this the I don't know, a bit more of the plot possibly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, like I said, they keep interesting characters. Um, but I did like, which ties in fine with the dance contest when, when um, oh, what was it? Oh, one of my favourite characters turned up, Marv Gomez, um, oh, turned up. And uh, I, I think initially, yeah, I thought, I thought initially he was referring to himself, you know, I used to be this boring government worker until I found the love for dance. And now I'm sure he's, I've, like for the first, I have many scenes. I'm sure he was calling himself the Letterman. Oh. It, it took me a little while to realise he was saying he was the Leatherman because he he just he once he discovered how to wear leather, he became this amazing person. I couldn't help but like him. He was so enthusiastic and just throwing everything he had and, and his philosophy of dancing his life. Everything else is bullshit. It was just like. This this guy's actually got passion and focus. Yeah, it's got yeah. apparently nothing to do with anything else that's going on. But then again, the same goes with most of what else is happening in this movie. But, uh, you know, he, he ends up having a full-on old-school <laughs> dance number in the car park. It's <laughs> like... Okay, where did that come from? And that's what I meant about what I said before, Trevor. It was a real wasted opportunity. They could have made that into a really big sort of dance scene. Okay, you can see the people outside the club in the background kind of bopping along. But I was thinking, you know, I think Shake a Tail Feather out of out of Blues Brothers. I don't know. It, it, it just meant they could have done a lot more with these kind of scenes because, yeah, there was just this joy in it. But, nope, it all has to be about what happens inside a disco. But, um, yeah, it was he had that energy that I think the movie needed quite a lot. And, um, and then we see him doing a few moves on the dance floor. I'm like, dude, are you, you're game enough to kick your leg up in the air on a packed dance floor? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> like, on this crowded dance floor, all of a sudden there is enough space for him to do that. I think that was convenient. Oh. <laughs> it could have gone very badly for someone. Because <laughs> I think it's um, the... Oh, that's I'm, I'm getting my order wrong. I was going to say, uh, it, you also think it's building up, because we've... Uh, sorry, touch on um, Donna Summer coming back into it, because it gets to a stage two where you're going, oh, they're going to mention her again but you, you think also too the movie's going to build up to her finally getting her chance to have this big song but you know it doesn't end up sort of becoming that way it's like that and the dance contest sort of become these like sort of half half hatched ideas that don't really go anywhere and then we start getting thrown into the whole oh the commodore's um tour bus with the instruments hasn't arrived yet yeah, I was about to say, yeah, I mean, not everything happens in the disco. When they when the Commodores turn up and, and, and DJ guy is asking where his instruments, where their instruments are, he goes, oh, they're in the van with Floyd. He just goes, you mean wrong way, Floyd? <laughs> and you cut to this guy, you cut to this guy just looking frazzled driving this van and comes up to this massive wall of, of street signs and he's trying to look at a map that blows out the window and you're thinking... Okay, that's interesting. But I've got to admit, at that point, that that did give me a bit of a laugh. I kind of enjoyed the the breaks away from the disco when we we caught up with Floyd's adventures as he as he gets pulled over and has to has to play all the instruments to oh, prove yeah, to that prove they're not stolen. <laughs> and uh, I did like that. I I felt that they you know they probably shouldn't have used the gag twice. You know how the first time it's just with the the cop, and then the second second time it's the cop, and then kind of got a crowd of people again. Another wasted scene where it could have been a kind of a 
crowd number. But um, but yeah, I um, I did like those too. But I don't know if it was just you, but I was thinking they should have made it that the Commodores are on the bus as well, or, or in you know that the whole group were running late. I think that would have made it a bit more of a. I don't know, a bit climactic rather than... Um, <laughs> I know they needed their instruments, but um, I'm sure there mm. would have been other ways around it. But, yeah, it was good to have that yeah. that kind of break. But, again, it could have been a movie about them trying to get to the concert, but they can decide to throw this in sort of in the last hour, last half an hour. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, God. I just, I'm just trying to work at the time of your things. I mean, obviously, there's just no point in trying to keep anything cohesive yeah. here. <laughs> that's what I'm realising. <laughs> But you know, you have the problems that uh, that that the girls, um, the girl that wants to enter the dance contest, was hoping to dance with the leather man. Sorry, leather man. <laughs> uh, and you got Donna Summer, who's been rebuffed by the DJ a few times, and and Deborah Winger, who's fallen over so many times, has been <laughs> sleezed on, um, and they they like all end up just. The whole bunch of them just sobbing in the ladies' room was another scene, which, and and Donna Summers just at the uh, in, like at the front of shot, just handing um handing tissues out to every woman that walks through in in tears. I'm thinking the way the the, the just just the sheer awfulness of most of the guys in this nightclub. I'm not bloody surprised you're taking a break to just go, just 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 moan how awful the night is because frankly, I I, I would not have been surprised if every woman just walked out of the club in disgust. I just could not, for the life of me, uh, work out why any of them kept hanging around. Oh, I know. Especially the, the blind date woman with, with, with um, the, the, the garbage man. It's oh, like, that, yeah. why the hell are you still following him around? It was just, of course, it was a setup when she finally had enough and just punched him out. Yeah. Which, of course, then there's, oh, what a woman! And he goes chasing <laughs> off after her. He just, no, 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 yeah. just... Stop. Go. No. Well, he he seemed to be the most annoying character, and I definitely wasn't expecting the right hook. I kind of was expecting her to sort of, you know, how she stormed off at the start. I was expecting her to come back maybe later in the the movie and become the queen of the disco by winning the contest or something like that. That would have been clever, but, yeah, I I must admit he did get his his just desserts. But but I did like how he he then turned around after she gave him the right hook. Does anyone else want to have a go? I would have liked to have seen the whole group around him (laughs) just have a go, but it didn't quite end up that way because, yeah, he was a very unlikable character, and... um, I'm glad that um, yeah that she didn't take any more of it. Definitely. Now, I don't think I've got to mention because I'm definitely going to come back to it a bit later on. Um, is with with the nerdy guys. I think at one point the two girls decide they're going to take a shortcut and they get stopped by security at this fire exit. They're going, oh no, don't go through there. Once you're in there, you get stuck. So of course later on, one of the nerdy guys goes to duck downstairs, and he gets trapped in this stairwell. And then the girls later on trick the leatherman's partner oh, into yes. the same stairwell, and so those two get stuck down there together. Which of course frees open the thing for for the leatherman to dance with Idaho girl. Yeah, whatever her name is. The end. <laughs> whatever her name is, that one girl number. I don't know. It was a girl number. Would you call a girl number one or girl number two? It's a bit hard to tell with those two. The one that wasn't the lead singer of Berlin. I think that yeah. might be the way. I don't know. Considering one of the mate, the first credits that comes up in the last credits is a bad mouth at bar. You know, I don't know what names they were giving them, so <laughs> it doesn't matter too much. I don't think. <laughs> 
Oh dear. But, um, yeah, definitely a lot. A lot was happening in the, in this place, which was quite funny, called the Zoo. Which we we have a a, a place called the Zoo in Brisbane, which is definitely not like mm. this place at all. But it just felt like a whole labyrinth of rooms. Which is, it was kind of cool, though. I, I like that's what I like. Like I said before, I could see this movie being quite cheap because it was probably just made on one big set. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So that's it. There was a main dance floor. There was like a a, a pinball room. There was, uh, I, I don't know if it was the makeout room or the VIP room or whatever. There was like another room off to the side. There was a jewellery store. That confused me. Uh, for some reason. <laughs> I thought maybe it was some kind of duty-free thing or something. It, it felt like a bit of a high rollers room because I noticed in the background was a casino sort of thing happening. So I don't know if it's, I don't know, <laughs> here's all your winnings now, go and spend it all on these expensive jewels. But quite strange. Knowing what I know of working in nightclubs, I wouldn't trust drunk people with jewellery. <laughs> no, well, I suppose, you know, if you sold jewellery to, to drunk people, um, you can probably recover half of it from the dance floor by the end of the night. Yeah. Uh, you know, 100% profit margin on that. <laughs> oh, oh, that reminded me too. I loved how later on in the movie when the, guy, uh, the guy's cleaning the, the floor at the end of the nightclub, I'm like, oh, God, there would have been drinks spilt everywhere. But no, nah, he's just using a broom to sweep it all up. Oh, it's not that easy. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, because obviously it gets to the point where where the the Commodores are meant to be playing and the dance the the dance contest meant to be starting and the guy at the radio station is just you know just going frantic at the DJ and that's when Donna Summer gets her chance and look she did get the dress that she wanted to get earlier from the stores she was apparently locked out on locked out of and the, and the guy just the guy just goes oh god I hope this is okay and and then she steps up and we hear the uh, Oscar award winning disco song whatever it was called because again I've forgotten. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, 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 that's the thing, Shayla. I don't know if, like, aside from this movie, this song was a big hit. Like, I know it's always referred to as one of her big hits, but I don't find this... I've never been a fan of Last Dance. I don't find it that catchy or anything like that, so it must have been you had to get it at the time. I don't know. <laughs> uh, what, what, what I did get at the time was freaked out by the uh, expressions <laughs> the DJ was pulling as he was getting into the song. It's like... Are you all right? You, you look like you're having some sort of fit up there, or you're about to orgasm or something. I'm scared. Lucky he was I'm behind. <laughs> lucky he was behind glass to stay away from her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, like you know, he'd been absolutely horrible to her through the entire thing. But then again, at the end, when when it's all closing out, it looks like he and and Donna Summer are getting extra friendly up in the DJ booth. It's like. As, as as he spins her song again. It's like, yeah. what is going on? Uh, which I find it surprising they didn't spin Thank God It's Friday. Just as one last reminder, but I suppose they have to get that Oscar. <laughs> but of course, of course, Wrong Way Floyd eventually makes it and the Commodores get on and the dance contest begins and for some reason they actually uh, let people start a conga line in the dance oh, contest, yeah. which is like... No, no, you do not have a conga line in a dance contest. That is just, get them off the floor straight away, shine the disqualification red light on them, make them gone. They're still there after other people have been knocked out. This place makes no sense. 
Now, Trevor, I'm sure you've been to a few of my retro parties where I've done some pretty bad attempts at dance-offs. I still think this from this movie is probably one of the most disorganised dance contests I've ever seen. It's like they were playing. It actually took me half a song to realise, oh, the contest had started. That's right. <laughs> but, um, and like what I mentioned earlier, I think the, the Commodores finally arrive and get their big number, and I think probably about, I don't know, about 10 seconds or 20 seconds into the song, it cuts away to the, the girl with the drugs and the husband. And I'm like, hey, guys, keep the scene. You could have made this a really cool, just, uh, just do one solid performance scene. Don't cut away to all this stuff that we really don't care about too much. But um, and I thought that was a bit mm-hmm. silly. But but then we get back, and as you said, we see conga lines and all sorts of unusual moves. But it becomes quite obvious as we see all the, the non-main characters start to be eliminated, and you're thinking, mm, gee, I wonder who's going to be left. Yeah, would it be... <laughs> Leatherman and non-Berlin non, non girl number two. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that coming at all. But. Yeah, and they win a grand prize of a trophy and $200, but the trophy is handed to them by the Commodores. Yeah, that's a big thing. Oh, that's even better. But again, because you know how you mentioned earlier the wife coming in with the pepper shaker, I thought that was a trophy when I first saw it. So again, when they won the prize at the end, I thought, oh, yay, they won a pepper shaker. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know if I misheard it. Did they say they was, that the girls were saving money to go to a Kiss concert? Is that what they said? I think they did at one point. I wasn't too sure either. I, I wasn't yeah. gonna. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't going to rewind it back because I'm thinking, no, I just want to get through this movie. I was going to say, sorry. At the end, she goes, "Oh, but that's for kids." Or K-I-D-S, that, that concert. So I thought, oh, maybe they said they were going to a kid's concert. And I'm like, hang on. And then I got very confused. Yeah, but like, yeah, at the, at the end when, when they come out and they, they realise they're going to get killed because they've missed the last bus or whatever, you know, it, it's like if they don't get the bus back, they're not going to make the concert in time. And then when when um, when when Marv suggests that they, they go on to more dance contests... <laughs> And and they just go, we're going to get killed! Before big smiles turn up in their faces and they go off with him, of course. <laughs> Le- leave it, leaving uh, his his other dance partner and the geeky guy with their plot completely unresolved with him still stuck in the stairwell. Yeah. I did like how they were, there was that scene earlier with them dancing in there. That was kind of cool. And the Commodores were playing, I think. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One what, what of, of the cutaways from what could have been a big musical number mm. just to show them dancing in the stairwell. Um, <laughs> it's just like, that, that's great. They're still trapped. <laughs> Maybe they're waiting. No one knows that they're there, apparently. <laughs> Maybe they were leaving for the sequel, because there's more of those dance contests for them to conquer. The night was still young. You know, it'd be, you know, thank God it's early Saturday morning. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so the only two people that knew there was anyone stuck in the stairwell left without a second thought. <laughs> Just off to win some more money and hopefully go and see Kiss or Kids or whatever they were going to see. <laughs> whatever it was. Um, and then... Um, and, and like another thing, like you'd hope would be resolved when 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 the husband finally comes off drugs, just as uh, Jeff is is I don't know the the wife seemed to be going with Jeff very reluctantly out to the car park, but you know he he finally comes off his drugs after swinging from the rafters and just <laughs> just being rather over the top drug acting. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's not like he's really learned anything. He's just back to the way he was before and starts threatening Jeff Goldblum. And it was with a mannequin arm or something. I don't know where he got it from. 
and it just keeps hitting the top of the car, which has already been hit by multiple things. So, of course, oh, ha, 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 the car falls apart. Yeah, and it's not just like as a they, fall apart. As they run off. Rages. <laughs> it's like one bit falling off at a time. But if I was that wife, I still wouldn't go, go with the husband either. If he's like, you're a dick. I know. It, and it, it was like... You, you, push- even when you were drunk... Yeah, even when you were drugged out, you were still a dick. Go away. It's like she thought she could only get Jeff Goldblum or the husband, so she's going to choose the less greasier of the two. But, yeah, it, it didn't really quite resolve it too well. And, and those people that, as I said, were trying to be convinced to by watching this movie to go to the disco, I don't think these straight-laced couples would have quite wanted to go, actually, <laughs> based on that. <laughs> well, not if you had a misogynistic husband to start with. <laughs> Yeah, but then again, I, I think as we've established, pretty much every male in this movie was a misogynistic so-and-so. I almost said something we had to bleep then. <laughs> the only thing they had going for them was they had awesome fashion sense, let's just say that. Actually, not awesome all the way. The disco stuff, yes, I liked, but yeah, no personalities to match. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, that was the thing that came back. You mentioned before about the girl going, on. Oh, look at that guy in polyester. He must be a sleaze. And she ends up going home with someone in polyester. The funnest character, but probably one of the sleaziest characters in the movie as well, too. So, you know, and, and, and knowing what we know now of, say, I don't know, the village people, calling herself the Leather Man, I don't know, it's kind of got a few connotations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, no, I still, I still, Mar- Marv still was was one of the highlights for me, just, just at a sh- pure, pure joy in which he, he, he threw himself around with reckless abandon. Even it was he, infectious. Even if he did only sort of come into it about halfway through, like most of the characters, you know, we still got some, you know, got some little good bits anyway coming through. Yeah, but, and I'll tell you what, you, you must have been really happy when uh, instead of Thank God It's Friday... The closing credits went out with the last dance. Oh, you know, it was me thinking because I think they didn't. Ex- I can't remember at the end they didn't extend it or they just kept playing more disco. I can't remember, but yeah, it seemed like a longer version of it. But I'm like going, oh, look, I haven't actually looked at the soundtrack list, but I have a feeling I would. I'd be a bit underwhelmed. There was, um, yeah, some interesting ones there, some real iconic ones of the era, but um, probably a lot of unknown ones too. And. I wonder if they've got, thank God it's Friday, on there five times as well, or ten times. <laughs> yeah, it's on each of the discs at the start and end. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. That was just a guess. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, um, what, what was was there any other any other thing that you would, that was uh, weighing on your mind from while you were watching the movie? Oh gosh, well everything is pretty much touched on, I think. I've got the, just the big thing here, why is there a jewellery store in this nightclub? But yeah, we've pretty much summed up that was a weird thing. But yeah, I think like our chat, we've spoken about so many different things, we've gone off on different tangents, I think it pretty much sums up the movie a lot too, doesn't it? So, um, you know, a lot happening yes, and yes, um, yeah, <laughs> and trying to make a bit of sense of it as we're trying to sort of go through this uh, the semblance of a plot, it's it's quite hard. But, yeah, like we were saying, um, that you know, a few wasted opportunities in terms of the, um, you know, summing up a few of the stories and, and the side plots. But anyway, I don't want to get too far into redeemable features. No, no, especially since uh, since you picked the movie. It's my turn to go first. I don't want to push it. Don't... Uh... <laughs> Yes, yes. Don't, 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 uh, don't go stomping on on my side of things. <laughs> no, I, I really I'll don't keep care. My platforms it's out of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, so yeah. At, at the end, uh, watching this, the the first thing I thought was, well, that's ninety minutes. I'm not getting back anytime soon because 
so many of those characters were so unlikable. It's like, why do I have to keep looking at these people? You know, Marv? Marv was my hero, the leather man, even though he was a bit disturbing and strange at times. And it was nice to see that Jeff Goldblum was playing Jeff Goldblum as far back as the late 70s, because no one Jeff Goldblum's like Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, I always enjoy seeing him, Jeff Goldblum. It, it, there was... There was way too many characters introduced to this movie and, like, they were all given their fair due of attention when only a few of them got any sort of resolution. I mean, I can see this place getting demolished for, like, a shopping mall in the mid-'80s and there's two skeletons being found in the death trap for the fire escape. Um, I mean, I, I got a couple of giggles out of it. Uh, you know, wrong way, Jeff. Uh, wrong way, um... Floyd. Wrong way Floyd, Floyd, Floyd. Um, you know, gave me a giggle, yep. <laughs> um, and and I, I do think that uh, Dancing is Life, Everything is Bullshit, rivals We Are All Gem as a, as a good movie <laughs> moral to take away. But look, at the end of the day, this was just way too messy, and ultimately, I, I just can't see that there was any point to it at all in any way. Too much going on, not enough happening, and nothing really gets resolved. So at, at the end of the day, this is well and truly not redeemable. Well, <laughs> interesting. So, because I'm probably in the same, I'm sort of in the same court as you, Trevor, actually, after watching it, I thought, that's 90 minutes, I won't get back. But actually, since having our chat, I'm like, oh, wow, I forgot about that, forgot about that. But then I've got to think, no, there's just different parts of this movie I like, obviously being a big 70s buff. I appreciated the fashion and those scenes of the dancing. And, and essentially, I know we're seeing it through the eyes of, of Columbia Pictures, you know, through a, a motion picture studio. But it was cool seeing, you know, essentially what was what was happening in disco, you know, at the height of disco, sort of not during that Can't Stop the Music era when, you know, it was made sort of when people were hating disco. So it was good to sort of still see that exuberance and that freshness that, was coming, that came through in Saturday Night Fever. But this... Oh, I am a Saturday Night Fever fan, and I know it's quite a dark film aside from the disco scenes, but it still built up the characters a lot, and you sort of felt a lot for them. These, as you said, they just were really unlikable. They were quite, the dialogue was so naff, almost, and, and anything that happened was almost of inconsequence, you know, sort of no purpose to it, and I just found it really hard to keep up with everybody that I didn't even bother trying to remember what their names are. And, uh, you know, there was a few things like, yeah, the disco people were seen as freaks, you know, but trust me, I'd rather be one of the freaks than, than those uptight people <laughs> entered the club in the first place so but yeah as i said love the disco love the fashions you know the, the soundtrack even though i couldn't hear a lot of the songs you know because they were playing under a lot of dialogue you know i wish i could have seen a bit more of that in the dance scenes i did like the clever melding in some respects of the storylines you know how they managed to you know this character bumped into this character hence moving to another storyline but you know that that can't really give it too much of a, a good thing oh i've got hit sorry i've got a few redeeming features here sorry about this um i felt that as I said a couple of times, they should have actually turned some of these scenes into proper musical numbers a la Blues Brothers, you know, and that's probably an insult to put the two movies together. But um, I, I think it, they could have had a lot more fun with it. And, um, yeah, and, and, and essentially it feels like a disco 101 if you sort of wanted to know what it was like to go to a disco, but probably I wouldn't have taken too many leaves out of this book. So this is a hard one, Trevor. Uh, I didn't know what to do, but, yeah, I've got to realise that I really, even though I loved the disco elements and the 70s elements of it, I, it was boring and... I wish they'd just cut out the characters and just had 90 minutes of people dancing on that disco floor and showing us the different rooms of the nightclub. 
I would have probably redeemed it. So, yeah, I'm going to say irredeemable this time as well. Okay, thank God it's Friday. Maybe not. That's uh, definitely a a non-redeemable for this time around. Thank God it's Uh, over. Before I move on to, I suppose, the movie's happy ending, we we do have a little extra correspondence on this one in that uh, Susie, our good friend Susie, who we've heard in this podcast before, uh, she wanted to have her say, and she basically just said... She has no words for this travesty. Not redeemable. <laughs> that sounds something worthy of an IMDb review too. <laughs> mm-hmm. She did watch it with me and it was just like, yeah, she <laughs> couldn't believe it. Shared your thoughts. Absolutely. So, uh, but look, this is the Redeeming Features cast and where we can, we we do like to finish on a positive note. We may not have found it redeemable, but this movie does have its fans. So I think I'll just wrap it up with another review. This one is titled Great Music. Thank God It's Friday is one of those films you either like or hate. I like and it is a lot of fun to watch. It's got some of the greatest songs from the disco era. The queen of disco, Donna Summer, trying to get a DJ from a popular disco place, in capitals, <laughs> to play her music demo, a great dance contest with the best disco music and terrific fashion from those years. Uh, 1978 Academy Award winner for the best original song, Last Dance, and Thank God It's Friday is packed with so much music and action from beginning to end. Five stars. Well, well, you know, but these people must have seen it through different eyes than us. <laughs> we may not have redeemed it, people. People out there are, are free to enjoy movies, and frankly, Definitely. if you enjoy a movie, good luck to you, because at the end of the day, we're watching these things for fun. <laughs> sometimes the fun is a bit lacking. <laughs> no, and we have to be entertained, even if sometimes the entertainment is lacking. <laughs> so on that note, okay, we've got a we've got a non-redeemable. Oh, Trevor, the balls uh, in your court, the disco balls in your court. In... Actually, to keep to keep <laughs> the puns going, just before we get out of disco territory, because I'm sure what you've chosen is not a disco film. <laughs> It's uh, it's a it's a long, long way from a <laughs> disco movie, and uh, I am coming to a bit more modern times. Good, good. But this is a movie where music still features quite heavily. Uh, it was made by an acclaimed director, uh, an acclaimed director who has a movie that's doing quite well on the charts at this very moment, and it did star a number of moderately to fair well-known actors. It was a comic book to movie adaptation. It was widely anticipated, got pretty good reviews, but barely made back a sixth of its budget. It was a massive box office flop. So uh, we're heading to 2010, um, where the director of Baby Driver, Edgar Wright, had the uh, had took Michael Cera on board and gave us Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Interesting, a film I actually have seen before, and I think I saw it on, on DVD when it first came out, and um, I actually can't remember anything about it, Trevor, so I'll be going into it fresh. <laughs> fresh view. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think I've heard it referred to as one of the best best reviewed bombs in movie history. So, it's so, got, I know um, it's got a good cult following, like I'm you know, doing all my cult movie screenings. It does it does crop up a lot more than, than you realise. <laughs> All 
Good. Now, uh, I have checked. So, um, this movie can be streamed on uh, Amazon Prime, which is officially available in Australia now. I have since learnt. Uh, or you can rent or buy it on Dendy Direct, iTunes, Google Play, or the PlayStation or Microsoft stores. So, certainly plenty of options out there. If anyone wants to check out Scott Pilgrim vs. the World from 2010 before our next podcast. Ooh, so yeah, well, I'm looking forward to checking this out. Have you seen the movie before? I, I have seen it before a few times. <laughs> a bit of guilty maybe. pleasure, perhaps. So, well, I'll, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I'll be coming from a completely different end of uh, having some, someone who has forgotten it, but <laughs> I haven't seen it, but it must have left my brain pretty quickly. So I'm looking forward to watching it with the Redeeming Features hat on, because as we found out, that mm-hmm. can be a different monster altogether. It absolutely can. It has... It has <laughs> I've got to admit, the redeeming features has ruined a few guilty pleasures <laughs> for me, but uh, every now and then, you've got to go for a guilty pleasure. Yeah, definitely. That means that means I've got one up my sleeve then, too, so I don't mind at all. <laughs> and, of course, we would love to hear from anyone out there. If you uh, have, uh, if, if you think we were too rough on Thank God It's Friday, if you think Thank God It's Friday is so atrocious that even not redeeming it was too good it was for too it. too rough on us. No. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, or if you have any uh, any thoughts, redeeming or otherwise, for Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, we're very, very easy to get in touch with. You can head to our homepage, rufusproject.com, and leave a comment below this very episode. You can find the Rufus Project on Twitter or Facebook, or you can send us an email to podcast at rufusproject.com. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the movies. And also, if you have any suggestions, please pass them on. We're always willing to find out about more movies. Just check our website for the Redeeming Features list first, uh, because... We've covered a scary number of movies oh, since we started it, doing this. It's scary. I look back at the list and go, was that me? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we watched that. <laughs> but we did survive and we lived to tell the tale. And we're glad that we managed to record them for everyone else to experience as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, obviously you can also listen to the uh, the backlog of the Rufus Project there as well. We, we've gone through a few evolutions over the past four years. And, <laughs> yes. oh, and before I forget, because I've forgotten multiple times... Probably should have said this up front. This is episode 105 Yay! of the Rufus Project. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Hey, 105 is as good as as good as 100. It's fine. Hey, we, we've even got we're <laughs> older than that now, so we've learned even more mm-hmm. than 100. So, oh well, congratulations, Trevor. It's been it's been a blast. I can't believe it. Yeah, I know. And congratulations to you too. Look, it, it, it's almost fitting that we missed the the hundredth episode because we keep missing the anniversary of the podcast we've missed it like three times so far so yeah, yeah it's, it's meant fine. to be in a movie in a, in a podcast where we're reviewing potentially bad movies yeah it kind of makes sense <laughs> <laughs> oh dearie dearie me well speaking of movies and other things that hopefully aren't too bad Christian, I believe you might have a number of events that you're putting on around the Brisbane area in the near future. Care to tell us about those? Oh, I've always got so many things coming up. And believe it or not, I don't actually have my um, my huge calendar <laughs> right in front of me. But some big ones I know we've got coming up is the 12th annual Brisbane Madonna Party, which gets over 400 people from all over Australia. That's on the 19th of uh, August at the Wickham Hotel. August is quite big for cult movies, especially at my new home at Metro Arts in Brisbane CBD. We've got Tank Girl, Blue Velvet. 
with Bonnie and Clyde, Romy and Michelle's high school reunion, all sorts of things coming up. So I think the best thing would be to go to christianfletcher.com and you can see my full list there because there's, you know, quite a lot coming up. And I'm sure as soon as it gets a bit warmer too, there'll be even more. Absolutely fantastic. I am hoping to get to a few of those, let's just say. And uh, yeah, I will try. Honestly, I do promise I will try. (laughs) Now, uh, if you're after something a bit different um i actually do another podcast under the rufus project banner with my my wife Susie, uh called what the history you can find that at wth.rufusproject.com and that's where uh every every fortnight Susie and i take two bits of bizarre history and and give them to you in bite-sized bits so it's only about 20 minutes long it's a great podcast for a quick fun listen whenever you got a bit of spare time um, we have a great time doing it, and we recently uh, had our 20th episode, so that's going along nicely. Oh, wow, time has flown. I definitely recommend What the History. Something different from talking about bad movies, or good movies, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, that's not all. Uh, I've also recently revamped the uh, the poor, neglected Rufus Project YouTube channel, uh, there's a link down below for that as well, where I am featuring a lot of old arcade games, doing what I'm calling the One Credit Challenge, uh, where I'm basically playing an old arcade game and seeing how well I can give, how well I go with one credit, and uh, we're mixing that up a bit very, very soon. Uh, we're, we're bringing in something else, also arcade-related, which I think is quite fun, and I'm certainly enjoying doing myself, but that's something that is certainly worth checking out um i'll be adding more stuff to that as i get more horrible horrible slash silly ideas about what i can add (laughs) oh i'm sure we'll find something (laughs) (laughs) well i think on that note uh, i mean this has been i've really enjoyed this chat yeah this has been a very very fun one oh yeah definitely hence the reason i've spoken very fast in this one and um yeah anything to not have to talk (laughs) about loving the movie as i said we always always love the um the chat even if the movie isn't so good (laughs) so thank you trevor oh you're you're very very welcome but yeah i want my 90 minutes back I'll find something for you later. The thing is, I'll find something worse, and then I'll owe you 180 minutes. So I don't know. Uh, I'll keep looking. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, so I think on that note, it's probably a good way, good time to to wrap this all up. Christian, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, everyone out there listening. Thank you for listening, and we will be uh, seeing you next time when we chat Scott Pilgrim versus the world. See you then. Thank you. See ya. Hey, what's up? I'll leave you alone forever now. You know this one girl with hair like this? Yes, that's Ramona Flowers. She's out of your league. You know her? Tell me now. She just moved here, got a job at Amazon. I have to order something really cool. Scott, are you waiting for the package you just ordered? Maybe. Scott Pilgrim? Hi, I was thinking about asking you out, but then I realized how stupid that would be. That's okay. You should just sign for this, all right? So do you want to go out sometime? I say yes, we sign for your damn package. So, yeah, 8 o'clock? Come to this Battle of the Bands thing. You have a band? Yeah, we're terrible. Mr. Pilgrim! I'm 
Ramona's first evil ex-boyfriend. What? Wait, we're fighting over Ramona? Didn't you get my email explaining the situation? I skimmed it. Mm-mm. What was that all about? If we're gonna date, you may have to defeat my seven evil exes. So what you're saying is we are dating? I guess. Does that mean we can make out? Sure. Scott Pilgrim! Prepare to feel the wrath of the League of Evil Exes. Ramona dated twins. At the same time. <sighs> If you want something bad, you have to fight for it. Step up your game, Scott. Combo! Break out the L word. Lesbian? The other L word. Lesbians? What are you doing? Getting a life. You want to fight me for her? Why on earth would you want to do that? Because I'm in love with her. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Maybe next time we don't date the girl with 11 evil ex-boyfriends. Seven. Oh, that's not that bad. So that it's good, what's it? Do you think we should have got back? I love dodgy creatures, but we want to know what the redeeming features. Boy? Oh boy. Christian and Trevor on the case, watching movies from all over the place. I'm the B, says it's bad, but we want to know if it's fun to be had. Boy? Oh boy. Redeeming features. It's... Oh!